The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Blue Preview. I am Dan Pizzuta. I am joined now by Chris Flum. We are both writers at Big Blue View, and we will be previewing the upcoming game against the New Orleans Saints. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing pretty well. Giants on the board with a win last week. But now facing the Saints, who have been one of the league's better teams for a while. Last year, they were one of the best teams in the league. This year, off to a bit of a slow, weird start. They're 2-1. They're and one. Really good offense again. Terrible defense, kind of like the, the Saints of old. Let's just, while we just jump into this, uh, what are you looking forward to in this game? Uh points and a lot of them right yeah this this kind of feels like it could be a shootout if the Giants offense allows it to be I think that that might be one of the questions so I think for that let's just get into into the offensive side and preview what's going to happen when the Giants have the ball and I think a lot of this is going to come down to the New Orleans defense which has been just flat out terrible over the first three weeks of the season. If we look at this, they are 28th in DVOA, which again is Football Outsiders team efficiency metric. They're 29th in yards allowed per drive and 31st in points allowed per drive. So they have not been able to stop anyone so far this season. Yeah, and especially through the air. They're giving up, what, 300-some yards passing per game? Through the air, it's been really bad. So one of the craziest splits I've seen. So they're 28th in defensive DVOA, 32nd against the pass, but they're number one against the run. And part of that has been no one's really needed to run against them when you can just throw at will against anyone in their secondary. Uh, But they're first in DVOA against the run, 32nd against the pass. Uh, So if the Giants need some other way to wake up their passing game, this is probably the defense they're going to want to face. Oh, definitely. And to me, that's actually a little surprising considering how good Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams were last year. And they're still not bad players. Well, this season has not been great. Yeah, so Lattimore was a rookie last season, was incredible. But this season, completely, not even really like regression to the mean, like regression all the way down to like absolutely terrible. 
So Football Outsiders measures uh, yards allowed per pass and success rate for cornerbacks. So there's uh, 64 cornerbacks they consider qualified this season who have reached a, a couple of different qualifiers. Of those 64 cornerbacks, Marshawn Lattimore is 64th in yards allowed per pass and 61st in success rate. And then Ken Crawley, uh, New Orleans' other corner, who has been benched, put back in the lineup because they don't really have anyone else. Crawley is 63rd in yards allowed per pass and 64th in success rate. And by those two metrics, Crawley was actually better than Lattimore in those two last year. So New Orleans is throwing out two of the worst cornerbacks in the league by these metrics so far. And that's probably if you're an opposing offense and you have Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard, that's the type of secondary you're going to want to see. Oh, yeah. And having your sophomore first-round pick be worse than a guy who has been benched, brought up, benched, gone through all that, not ideal at all. Maybe it's an Ohio State thing. You know, Maybe they just have rotten sophomore seasons. Maybe. So New Orleans in DVOA, 31st against opposing number one receivers, giving up 104 yards per game on average. 32nd against number two receivers, giving up 144 yards per game. A lot of that kind of comes from the Calvin Ridley game from Atlanta, but I mean, that's that's not the whole thing. What kind of is surprising is their 10th against other a wide receiver so wide receiver three four and five but they just put Patrick Robinson who was their slot corner on injured reserve so even that might not be great going forward no and which is good for Sterling Shepard when he's in the slot Saquon Barkley if he's up in the slot or Cody Lattimore when he's oh he's usually outside but he could wind up having a really nice game if they target him enough Right. So, you know, one thing and we if we do look at Barkley, let's let's go there because the Saints are 30th in DVOA against running backs in the passing game. And this could maybe be a Barkley breakout game in the passing game if he's used correctly. So, I'm going to have a piece up on Big Blue View, maybe by the time you're listening to this, maybe right after, but it's how the Giants should use Saquon Barkley in the way the Saints use Alvin Kamara in the passing game. They started doing this a little more against Houston. If you put Barkley outside, you put him in the slot, you throw to him past the line of scrimmage. Only 26% of Barkley's targets so far have come past the line of scrimmage. And that's not giving him a lot of room to run. If he's making the first defender miss, you're doing that behind the line. If you can make that first defender miss past the line of scrimmage, you're gaining more yards. So this will be definitely interesting to see if they can mismatch Barkley against some linebackers in this game. That would be excellent to see. Now, the Dallas game where they threw to him 14 times, and I'm not sure any of them came past the line of scrimmage or at least past the five-yard line. That's got to skew the numbers, at least a little bit. Yeah, it does. But until the Houston game, that's kind of how they were using them. It was similar against Jacksonville, too. It was a lot of things behind the line. It was swing passes. It It wasn't really concerted efforts to get Barkley the ball in space. It was 
oh no, we have no other options. Uh, let's give the ball to Barkley. <laughs> so what what I'd like to see and what the Giants should be trying to do is scheming more openings for Barkley, get him in mismatches, get him in space, and not just jumping the ball off to him when he's the last resort. Yeah, now part of that growth might be because they're still growing into the offense. Uh, Eli might be getting more used to the playbook, more fluent in the playbook, because he did not play all that much in the preseason, and Barkley played even less. That could be part of it. My questioning would be, why would it take three games to have something that would be so obvious from the second you drafted Barkley? (laughs) To be like, hey, we should get this guy on the outside. We should get him in the slot. That's something Pat Shermer even talked about when they drafted him. Uh, It was something we talked about in training camp. It was something we saw in training camp. So it is kind of weird for it to have not actually popped up in a game until week three. But maybe they've figured it out now and maybe we'll see it more going forward, which is really how you're going to want to use Barkley. Because if you're only using him as a more, you know, prototypical running back who's just going to be catching swing passes out of the backfield, that's not getting the most out of him. And if you're only going to do that, he wasn't worth the number two overall pick. Now, the the only way he was worth that pick is if they use him as the playmaker he is let him get in space get downfield put that ridiculous athleticism of his to work and really capitalize on those mismatches they can create with him right that's definitely going to be a key not just to this game but i think probably to the rest of this season if they can get barkley out in space uh, you you really want to see them do that and if they're just going to keep giving him balls behind the line of scrimmage, it's it's not going to help the offense at all. But while we stay to the offensive side, uh, let's, one of the reasons Barkley hasn't been getting a lot of work in space, especially in the running game, has been the offensive line. Uh, it was a little better against Houston. We have those two changes now. John Greco at center, Chad Wheeler at right tackle, but they're going against the Saints defensive line that has one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league in Cameron Jordan. Yeah, Cam Jordan is really a fantastic guy to watch. He is very much in the mold of Clayus Campbell and J.J. Watt. He's about that size, not as tall, not quite as tall as the other two, but still 290 he does not move like he's 290 violent hands explosive athlete he already has four sacks and i believe he got ejected last week so he could have more and he also lines up primarily over the right tackle yeah good luck chad wheeler but yeah i think one of the things we've talked about a long time watching the giants is how much they relied on on their two main pass rushers, and while Jason Pierre-Paul and Olivier Vernon were on the field, those guys were on the field. They did not come off. There's been an effort now uh, since Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer came in. They said they didn't want to have those guys out on the field for so long, but Cam Jordan is one of those guys that is on the field and stays on the field. He is the only defensive lineman that has played at least 90% of his team's defensive snaps in each of the past five seasons. And that's just ridiculous, considering how big he is, that 
that is honestly even more impressive than JPP never coming off the field. Right. He's he's on the field. He's making an impact on just about every play. He's so hard to block. Like we said, he can go from the inside. He's a huge guy that can win from the outside. Uh, this is definitely going to be a tough matchup for Wheeler and the rest of the offensive line. And what's interesting is is really outside of Hayward, the Saints haven't been able to get a lot of pressure. They're 26th in defensive pressure rate per Sports Info Solutions charting from Football Outsiders. And that's going to be interesting to put against the Giants offensive line, who is 26th, which is bad. The, the further down you are in offensive pressure allowed is not good. So they're 26th in offensive pressure rate. So we'll see what gives. The resistible force of the movable object? Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what it's going to be. And we'll see if the Giants can... If they'll try to get the ball out quickly again. So against Houston, Eli had gotten the ball out at an average of 2.4 seconds, which was the second fastest of the week. It was way faster than the 2.7 seconds he was averaging uh, in weeks one and two. So if the Giants are still going to do that, and maybe there's going to be more openings uh, in that secondary that'll bring some bigger plays. We'll see if that's going to be a concerted effort for them getting the ball out quickly against the Saints who haven't gotten a lot of pressure or if that was something they really tried to do against a Houston defensive line that they knew was going to get to the quarterback regardless of what they did. Uh, Why don't we say all of the above? (laughs) They had to have schemed that for Houston because with Watt, Clowney, Whitney Merciless, uh, DJ Redder, Christian Covington, that's not a defensive front you want to give any amount of time to get to your quarterback because they will. No, we saw that. And yeah. JJ Watt had uh, two of the fastest sacks in in week three uh, per next-gen stats. Uh, his, his strip sack, the one where he completely jumped the snap, was the third fastest sack of uh, of the season and the Giants have actually given up two of the three fastest sacks of the season uh, per next-gen stats which is not a place where you want to be up at the top uh, so we'll see if if getting the ball out quickly is something that can stop that yeah um, I was poking around next-gen stats as well and I noticed that the Houston rushers on average actually got the closest to Eli on their average rush than the Cowboys did and even the Jaguars did. They were about half a yard closer on the average rush than the uh, Cowboys and about a tenth of a yard closer than the Jaguars, which is pretty impressive considering how much pressure Eli was under in the first two games. Or I should say scary considering how much pressure he was under in the first two games. Right, yeah, it's definitely... Definitely not a position Eli wants to be in, and probably why getting the ball out so quickly was was something they did. Before we jump to the other side of the ball, is is there any other other matchups you want to look at when the Giants have the ball? Yeah, I want I want to see how uh, how they go about using the tight end position. All right. So with Evan Ingram out. Uh, Red Ellison will probably take over as the starter, playing quite a bit of snaps, I, I would imagine. 
Maybe we'll see some Jarrell Adams, who's a little more of a a downfield pass catcher uh, than he's going to be an inline blocker. So it'll definitely be interesting to see the rotation there. Uh, Something I suggested on Twitter, and I'm going to really stand by this of something they should do. Instead of trying to replace Ingram in the passing game with tight ends all the time, I think we should try to see if they can get Barkley and Wayne Gallman on the field at the same time. That would that could keep either two backs in the backfield and shotgun or one back in the backfield and both of those guys can win out of the slot and on the outside. So you can have a mismatch there if the Saints are going to stay in base personnel while there's two backs. And I think that could really open up some stuff in the passing game. In a similar vein, we could also keep an eye out for Garrett Dickerson, an undrafted rookie. Uh, we'll call him an H-back out of Northwestern. He was exciting early in the offseason, during the offseason spring offseason program. He, then he got hurt and missed pretty much all of the summer. But he has that – he was a – good blocker at Northwestern, but he also has the ability to run with the ball and catch the ball. So they could use him as kind of that H-back, sometimes a fullback, sometimes a tight end role. It'll be interesting to see which way the Giants go, whether they're going to kind of double down on their heavy personnel or they keep trying to, to spread it out against a defense where It's been easy to spread them out and gain yards down the field. And like we said, New Orleans surprisingly number one against the run in DVOA. So if the Giants go that route, they might be, you know, handicapping themselves uh, by trying to to pound the ball in those heavy formations uh, when the better option could just be spreading out and going wide and, and slinging the ball. Just as long as they don't run it on first down, right? Right. Yeah, as we said on the last podcast, and we'll probably say a whole bunch going forward, uh, just throw the ball on first down. It's it's just way better, especially against this defense. Um, That might even be a weekly segment. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably going to be a couple of things that are going to continue to pop up. Throwing the ball on first down is probably going to be one. We Maybe we'll get to this a little later again uh, when we're previewing when the Saints have the ball, uh, but the Giants should sign Eric Reed has already popped <laughs> up on two of the two episodes of this podcast. Yep. Uh, so maybe, I don't know if that counts as bring, making it three for three, uh, or we can just bring it up again later. Uh, uh, why don't we just put that tally mark on the board? And use that as a segue to get over to the defense. Yeah, there we go. So uh, let's talk about when the Saints have the ball. And I think there's a lot of cool things the Saints do. They're one of the best offenses in the league. They have been pretty much since Drew Brees took over. So let's start there. Drew Brees is is, is a damn magician. <laughs> like I, he's He's incredible. I was just watching the game against Atlanta right before we came on. He does stuff that's just ridiculous. He had one throw up the seam to Ben Watson that was just, I have no idea how it was placed over the defender's shoulder into Watson's hands. He is just, he has, he's like the most accurate quarterback we've possibly ever seen. Yeah, he does in the NFL what Baker Mayfield did at Oklahoma, and that's saying something. 
that's saying a lot you know he isn't just accurate he is precise which i personally make a differentiation there i feel i believe accuracy is getting the ball to your target getting your ball to your receiver precision is putting the ball right where it needs to be for your receiver to be a the only guy who can make a play on it and b make the play after the catch and breeze is just he he is absolutely uncanny in being able to do that and quickly i think that's a a fair thing to say in the difference there he's just he's so good he's so good at finding the open receiver he's so good at making an open receiver he's just able to to pick apart whatever a defense is going to give him he is completing not that completion percentage is is a great thing and it's very overrated in a lot of places when we look at it but he's completing 80.6 percent of his passes this year and it's not like he's just dumping it off he has 8.4 yards per attempt he's already thrown for over a thousand yards and he has eight touchdowns and no interceptions basically drew Brees is doing what eli did against houston but every week, and that is it. It, it is just absurd. Yeah, it's and he's doing it without his top running back. Well, well, sort of. I, yeah, I think we can probably <laughs> safely say Alvin Kamara is the top running back now. But Breeze has just been incredible, and he's going to be someone that's really tough to have make a mistake. And when you're possibly going to be in a high-scoring game like this has the potential to be, getting an extra possession by causing a turnover and forcing someone to make a mistake, that's really valuable. And it's just going to be real hard to see Drew Brees doing anything that's really going to cost his team. Yeah, and... If somebody's going to make a mistake, you're going to have to force one of the skill position players to do it. I don't have that number in front of me, but I believe Michael Thomas has had a couple fumbles. Yeah, so Michael Thomas has two fumbles, but Thomas also uh, leads the league with 38 receptions on 40 targets. He's catching 95% of his balls. Um, He's averaging 132.7 receiving yards per game through the first three weeks. He's going to be going up against Janoris Jenkins, who has been hit or miss so far this season. So if we go back to those... A cornerback charting stats, Jenkins is 52nd in yards allowed per pass and 43rd in success rate. And putting him against Michael Thomas is going to be a tough ass. He had DeAndre Hopkins last week, uh, but the way the Saints use Thomas might be Jenkins' toughest ask of the season so far. Yeah, they, they move Thomas all around their offense. They use him actually fairly similarly to how the Giants have started using Beckham since Pat Shermer's gotten here right he can be on the outside they can move him on the inside and one thing that's also going to be in the piece I have about Kamara when they use Kamara outside and in the slot it's so often on the same side as Michael Thomas and when the Giants have been using Barkley outside it's usually been with a tight end and Beckham is on the other side 
but when they use Kamara and Thomas on the same side and they have route combinations where Thomas is drawing coverage because he's so dangerous and that leaves Kamara with so much space and he just catches an easy ball and can turn up the field and turn that into yards. The way they use the two of them together is just incredible. It's brilliant and it's just It's so good and so hard to defend because no matter which guy you pay attention to, you're choosing wrong because the other guy is going to kill you. Yeah, and basically we can look at it as Alvin Kamara is their number two receiver. Michael Thomas has 38 receptions. Kamara has 30 receptions. Yeah, they have – there's about 100 yards difference – 100 receiving yards difference between both of them, and Kamara has – 37 carries to his 30 receptions so Kamara is a is a big part of that offense and they've I think they've really figured out how to use him he's not nearly as efficient as he was last year when he was just getting put in and he was splitting time with Ingram but we knew he wasn't going to be as efficient but the thing is that efficiency could have come down so much and he could still be really good because he was just that amazing last year and he's still putting up great numbers this year uh, it's it's really tough to defend against this offense when they have a piece like that they can move all over the field and he can beat you in just about any way yeah the giants coaches should really go to school on how they're the Saints are using Alvin Kamara and put that right into their offense. Like in their film study this week, chart Kamara, chart where he's lining up, what situations, and just say, cross his name off and write Barkley. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much uh, what what my Kamara article has been on. Just be like, take what Kamara does, have Barkley do that, and if you can't stop Kamara when you're playing him, at least use what he's going to do in the future so it can help you. Yeah, because just think of all the people who wouldn't be able to stop stop Barkley. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. They should be similar players and they should be used similarly, but they just haven't been so far and, and maybe that'll change for the Giants. So one thing when we look at Drew Brees, he's another guy who's pretty hard to get pressure on uh he gets the ball out quickly he always knows where to go but the Giants right now fourth in defensive pressure rate a lot of that came from the Houston game when they got pressure on almost every snap uh it seemed but they were still pretty good against Dallas uh they weren't great against Jacksonville uh but the pressure is coming uh Olivier Vernon practiced for the first time Uh, on Wednesday so uh, we still don't know what his status is going to be for the game but maybe he'll come back but these other pieces have been able to get pressure but they're going to be going against a Saints defense that's 10th in offensive pressure rate so they've been really good at keeping the pressure away from Breeze yeah yeah you kind of get the feeling with Olivier Vernon if he can walk he's going to play but I would love to see a repeat performance from B.J. Hill. Hopefully he earned more than 14 snaps this week. Maybe see a little bit more from Lorenzo Carter because you feel like he's starting to, starting to, I wouldn't say get it, but figure out how to really unleash that athleticism he's got and really make use of the uh, that length and first step of his. 
Oh, and of course, Kerry Wynn. He could. He, it'd be great if he came in and just ruined Drew Brees' day. Yeah, and again, we didn't even mention Kareem Martin, who was all up in the backfield against Houston. The one thing we, we were concerned about going into the season was the depth at the edge and whether they could create a pass rush, even with Olivier Vernon, but especially without him. And so far, they kind of have been able to. It was against a blind that is terrible, but I guess it's going to be a good test to see whether they can keep getting that pressure uh, when they face a pretty good offensive line in New Orleans. Yeah, the Saints have only given up, what, six sacks so far. If they can step up and move Breeze off his spot, break his rhythm at least a little bit, that could go a long way in this game. Only four quarterbacks have gotten sacked at uh, a lower rate than Breeze's 3.7%. So he's typically in that low end just because he's so good at knowing where to go with the ball and when to get it out. But when he does get the ball out, uh, this is going to be a big test for this secondary that, again, might not have Eli Apple. He still hasn't practiced uh, by the time we're recording this. And even if you look past Michael Thomas, you ignore Alvin Kamara, the Saints are still pretty good at receiver. So they have Ted Ginn, who they've completely changed the way he really catches balls when he was in Miami, in Carolina. He was, you know, a return threat who kind of was a deep threat, and that's really all he did. But he came to the Saints last year. They decreased his average depth of target. They were getting him in space more, letting him run more screens, and they just got the ball in his hands and let him do things, and he was has really taken off. He was one of the most efficient receivers in the league last year, and again, he is one of the most efficient in receivers in the league this year as he's getting up there in age, and there were some guys, there's Cam Meredith, there's Traquan Smith. Uh, you kind of thought those guys were going to take over Ginn's role as as his snaps decrease but that hasn't really been the case and Ginn has been good again and he's going to be seeing uh, again B.W. Webb maybe Dante Dion so this is definitely going to be uh, something to watch outside of that Thomas Jenkins matchup it, it could wind up looking a lot like the DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller the way the Giants handled them last week which wasn't great, especially in the se- in the second half when they started running m- more zone coverages. But you should probably also keep an eye on tight end Benjamin Watson. Right now he has the same number of receptions as Ted Ginn. It's 12. One less yard. Obviously, basically, basically the same yards per catch. And the only real difference is he hasn't gotten into the end zone yet. But he does get to go against the Giants linebacking core. It's it's amazing how we kind of talk about this Saints offense, how they're so good, how they're so young at some positions. Michael Thomas is 25, Alvin Kamara is 23, uh, but then we talk about like some of these other guys. Drew Brees is 39, Ted ben, Ginn is 33, Ben Watson is 38. 30. They're they're still getting production out of these guys. What Sean Payton can accomplish every really on a yearly basis, is pretty amazing. It's it's almost too bad he isn't a Giants coach anymore. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been a nice thing uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, it's it's amazing what he has really been able to do. He's kind of reinvented the offense a couple of times and kind of adapted to Breeze. He Breeze doesn't have the arm he used to, but they've kind of adapted to that and and they know how to use him. They know Breeze's strengths. They now have a weapon in Kamar and a weapon in Michael Thomas and all these other secondary weapons that it's just it's so hard to defend against them, especially when they're just spread out and they go empty. There's not much a defense can do. No, and especially with the Giants, how it's their secondary is depleted and the depth was a question coming in. I could definitely see Sean Payton trying to scheme up matchups against you know, B.W. Webb and Curtis Riley and whoever winds up on those guys just eating. Which is why Eli has to keep his cape on. That that cape he put on last week, he's got he has to do his Drew Brees impression again. There's probably no other way the Giants hang in this game. And when we get back in into the middle of the field where you you talk about mismatches, you do have Kamara against the Giants linebackers. And the Giants surprisingly fifth in DVOA against running backs in the passing game, but they haven't really been tested so far. It was Leonard Fournette uh, in in the first game. Uh, Lamar Miller wasn't great in the passing game for Houston, but they're going to get Kamara, and that's probably going to be a lot of, of coverage by the linebackers. And there was actually a GIF I forgot I created that popped up again this week. Um, someone, I guess, had gone back and found it, but it's Alvin Kamara just putting this move on Alec Ogletree uh, when oh. he was on the Rams. I, it was just in the middle of the field. Ogletree just has his feet planted, has no idea where Kamara is going to go, and he just runs right past him, and, and there was no chance. So uh, if the Saints are smart, which they are, they are. a pretty smart <laughs> offensive team, we might be seeing Kamara against Ogletree quite a bit. And that's not something the Giants are going to win very often. Yeah, that's not ideal. They might hope to try to match him up on Ray Ray Armstrong. You know, guy who's a little bit more athletic. He's got a more recent history as a defensive back. He's a little bit better in coverage, but yeah, not ideal. Yeah, this is just tough matchups all the way around. And I mean, this is what the Saints do. This is how the Saints are 2-1 with one of the league's worst defenses. They spread teams out. They can push the ball downfield. They can dump it off and find space. There's really no way the Saints offense can't beat a defense. So there's going to be a lot of points scored in that direction i think the key to the game is whether the giants offense can take advantage of that saints defense and hang actually the margin between what the saints are scoring and what they're giving up is razor thin so it could it might not take a whole lot to decide this game they're scoring 34.7 points a game they're giving up 34.3 that's half a point Actually, four-tenths of a point, but I'm not sure if there's a four-tenths of a point play out there. So it could come down to the defense making one stop, the offense taking another five 
plays on a drive to keep the Saints offense off the field one last time. Of course, as we say all this, it could it could just blindside all of us and be a 15-18 game. Well, I I probably unlikely, but it could happen. <laughs> I think I've comfortably been okay with with taking the under uh, for every Giants game so far this season. I I think I would tell people to take the over in this one. Um, yeah, th- even if the Giants can't hang, just for what the Saints offense can do, that's probably worth the over by itself. This game really could wind up being like a big 12 style track meet just put on your running shoes kind of like that game what was it back in 2015 where you know eli throws for six touchdowns breeze throws for seven but hopefully this time we'll flip the script on them we'll see it'll it'll definitely be something to watch i think as giants games go this season this Definitely has the most intrigue going in. I think this might be the most watchable of the games. Well, we'll see. But I think that that's all we got for for this preview, unless there's something else uh, you want to add before we get going. No, I think that about covers it. Yeah, I think so. Definitely, definitely something to watch. So thank you for hanging out with this preview. We will be back on Monday morning talking about how this game actually went. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on all of the places where you listen to your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Please, wherever you go, subscribe, rate, and review. Since we're a very new podcast, that helps getting us up in the algorithm and and helping this be found and and letting more Giants fans hear this. And that, uh, that would mean a lot to us. So appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back on Monday. And so for now, thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.